Wiggly Superstar Do you think you're what they say you are? Wiggly Superstar Do you think you're what they say you are? It's showtime with Ricky Lee. Thank you for joining me here on 101.5 Huntley Community Radio. And remember, you can always stream our shows at HuntleyRadio.com. The Chicago Bulls are one of the most beloved and storied franchises in professional basketball history. The man known as the original Bull was Jerry Sloan. Sloan was a two-time NBA All-Star and then went on to a glorious coaching career with the Bulls and the Utah Jazz. Joining me today is Jerry's daughter, Holly Sloan, to talk about what it was like growing up an NBA kid and what her dad was like. Thank you so much for joining us, Holly. Hi, Ricky. Thanks for having me. Now, I did not arrive in Chicago until the mid-90s. So my recollection of Jerry Sloan, your father, was as the coach of the Utah Jazz. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, for the rest of Chicago, it, you know, he was the original Bull player, you know, and, and, and defined the franchise. For you as his daughter, at what point in his career, playing, coaching, what, when do your memory start of, of being an NBA kid? Oh, I honestly, I can remember being a child waiting for him outside, uh, um, you know, the the players. They called it Gate Three and a Half okay. at Chicago Stadium. And they always, you know, that's where Elvis would come in and enter the building and leave. And it's where, you know, whenever there was a concert or anything, it's, it was the player's entrance. Or I guess you might call it the entertainment, you know, entrance. So we used to sit there and wait for him to come out. Uh, sometimes uh, that, you know, that it was really just whenever he started playing um I, I gee I, I guess I'd say maybe I was like six or seven was when I would start to go to the games I was old enough uh so that yeah I remember from a very early age very early and now he formed a a very famous backcourt with uh mm-hmm. Norman Van Leer Storm and Norman right mm-hmm. were they uh close outside of the game as well yes um you know he He's someone that really he meant a lot. And you know, Norm used to babysit me. Oh, when wow. I was a kid. yeah. And he was a he was a really t- the I mean the opposite of my dad. He was so cool. Okay. <laughs> you know, and he was always so neat. He had the fur coat and he was just so stylish and fun to be around. And you know, so yeah, yeah, very well. They were very good friends. And shortly before he passed. He came out to Salt Lake City and, you know, he didn't do that all the time, but, you know, it was kind of, he passed shortly thereafter and, and it, it occurred to my dad that uh, maybe he knew something that mm. my dad did not and he really wanted to say goodbye. Wow. And Yeah. And so that was, it was, my dad was on the road at the time of his funeral. So I made sure that I went there, you know, to represent for my father. And um, I went with Tom Borwinkle and his family. Oh, wow. And okay. Yeah, yeah. And uh, that, you know, yes, very much so. All of those guys he always thought the world of. And uh, it was, it. yeah, they were just wonderful people. Now, oh, yeah. Now, okay, so 
Storm and Norman Van Leer is your babysitter. Okay, so that's kind of <laughs> cool, right? What are some of the other players that you interacted with that, you know, all, all of us are going to say, oh, wow. And it was like, to you, it was like, oh, that's Uncle So-and-so. Yeah, Tom Borrowinkle was our neighbor. Oh, wow. Uh, he, yeah, he lived right behind us in Northbrook. And, you know, he, so his yard, our yards backed up to each other. And so Tom, Tom was, you know, one of my dad's closest friends in, in, that, in that basketball world. So, yeah, he was definitely like an uncle to us. Um, it, there was a funny joke. Tom, Tom had a couple dogs. And so he decided to build a fence around his yard. And he said, yeah, I'm going to build it to be about six foot six. Well, my dad was six foot five, Tom was six eleven. So the joke was, you know, he could see us, but we couldn't see him. Well, yeah. So Tom was, Tom was a great, a great guy. Wonderful with kids. Uh, you know, his daughter and I are friends. Now his son, Jeffrey, uh, studied theater at DePaul. Oh. So he, yeah, Jeffrey did theater. And so that was, we kind of had a, you know, I was able to catch up with him. Sadly, it had to be at uh, Tom's own funeral, uh, mm. Tom's own funeral. But, uh, you know, his daughter and I, we've taken, you know, had a couple of vacations together. And so, yeah, I mean, he had a wonderful family. His wife, um, Linda, was, you know, great people. So, yeah, Tom, Tom, for the most part, always, you know, he was always there. Excellent. Now, did you travel at all with your dad on on these trips, his, his plane trips? I don't think anyone would want me traveling no. on any sort of business. That <laughs> was a little too much to handle at the time, but I'm I'm the youngest of three. Okay. So, but I wasn't allowed to travel until uh, the playoffs. Hmm. Yeah. Um. So that was the only time, and I think that was when I was about maybe hmm, 20, 25. 25 or so. So I really wasn't allowed now. I mean, I would go with my mom, you know, to games. Now we stayed back in Southern Illinois and we had a place in Salt Lake city and in Southern Illinois. And my mom, I was in high school at the time. So, but there were times that I would go to games with her, you know, but I mean, as far as like get to get on, go on the plane or anything like that, that was not until um, the playoffs. Okay. So, yeah. And then when he was the assistant coach of the 96 Olympic team, uh, I got to do everything with him. And that was that was awesome because I was at that time I was single. So, you know, I could, you know, I could kind of do whatever. But there's an age about where you don't want your teenage daughter <laughs> hanging around these people. So, yeah, I was and for the most part, we were pretty much told to be seen and not heard until we kind of figured out what this was all about and how to handle ourselves. <laughs> now, when I took my, I have an uncle who is very much like a father to me. And mm -hmm. when I told him that I was interviewing you about your father, he got very excited because uh, your father, Jerry Sloan was one of his huge role models when mm -hmm. he was growing up mm -hmm. uh, for, for what he did on the basketball court. And he and uh, Norm had this reputation as this just hardcore defensive uh, backcourt and and they were just tough guys how did that translate at home was he a tough guy at home or did he, we see a different side of him at home well you know it's hard to not I guess there was a difference in him as a player mm -hmm. and a difference in him as a coach uh as I can remember him as a player he was always trying to keep his body conditioned and stuff like that and 
you know, he, he, he was actually, he's a very funny person, you know, but he, he was not around a lot. My mom, my mom raised us, mm-hmm. you know, but it was always great when we were able to have him around in the summer and things like that. Uh, well, I mean, he always wanted us to be, to be tough, you know, le- learn to take a hit, learn to get back up, you know, things like that um, in life, you know, but be fair about it, you know, uh, also when it came time for us to, I started playing basketball last. I started watching my brother and sister. I was a gymnast and, and, and things like that as a kid. But my, I, when I decided to play, I, I'm a lot smaller than my brother and sister. And I, one of the things my dad had told me is you're going to have to be tougher. You're going to have to learn to take the hits because, you know, it, so that was really all I ever learned as far as a bas- being a basketball player. I played in college for a year. Uh, but yeah, you had to, you had to learn to work. You know what I mean? You had to learn to do things for yourself. Um, the world wasn't going to be there to, to hand you everything either, you know, because it didn't for him. Mm-hmm. And so that was something that both he and my mom, of course, uh, made sure that all three of us learned to do growing up. Now you mentioned you mentioned your your father's uh, uh, childhood or you know what 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 he came from uh, that mm-hmm. you know he he had what ten he was one of ten siblings is, is that uh, right? yes I believe nine there's a lot to count <laughs> yeah and and from very humble beginnings I mean he it was a farm town wasn't it can you tell oh, us a it, little bit about where he came from yes um, it's McLeansboro Illinois but actually McLeansboro is more like the town he would go to for things to go he grew up. Uh, way out in the country, he had to hitchhike a few miles. Well, he had to walk with him and his best friend to the nearest highway and hitch a ride into town. Wow. Uh, yeah, yeah. And probably with his brother, too, because his the, his next closest brother was about three, four years older. And so, yeah, he had to find his own way into town for the most part. So, you know, uh, it, it, a lot of his siblings were often married and, and doing their own thing at the time. There's a big span between the oldest and the youngest. Oh. Yeah. And so, yeah, he, he, you know, he didn't really live in McLeansboro. Uh, people call it Gobbler's Knob. Okay. And yeah, it's, it's way out there. It's across from a church, a Braden Valley church, uh, where uh, my grandmother, my grandfather, some of my aunts and uncles are also uh, buried. So uh, it, it, he used to mow the lawn there. That was one of his jobs, but he lived way out there, way out there. And I understand that 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 small town uh, upbringing kind of kept with him throughout his life. He he had a hobby of restoring tractors. Is that right? <laughs> well, yeah. Dick Mata once told him that um, he was a little too intense and that he needed a hobby. And you know, because it was all that my dad, my dad, all my dad never knew how to do was work. You know, um, and so he's like, you need to learn to do something. So he and my mom. Um, were into antiques. They had a antique uh, a booth in an antique store, and they were always at estate sales. My mother, especially, estate sales, garage sales, auctions, and uh, so yeah. And he, yes, one of his favorite things to do was to buy old tractors and restore them. And he had he had quite a few. I, I want to say maybe sixty. Wow. Not, yeah, he had a bunch, and I was always fascinated by them. Uh, terrified but fascinated now some were actually used because he you know he did have farmland 
And that's what he did when he came home. You know, he would, you know, go on out to the fields and get on his tractor and work, you know. So, uh, yeah, there were always tractors. And, and John Deere. It was John Deere. <laughs> yeah, he, he was fond of John Deere caps, if, I, if I'm correct. Uh, baseball yeah. hats. Yeah. Oh, yes, yes, yes. The trucker caps. The yeah. Trucker hat. Yes, yes. Not baseball, trucker caps. Yeah. Now, uh, working on the farm, uh, what kind of farm? What did he? What did you guys grow? What did what What did you farm? Um, oh, beans, uh, grain, corn. You know, just the the, the regular rotation. Okay. You know, yeah, yeah. And, and what, so, yeah. Was, was it? I mean, part of the the package, or did he just do it for fun? I mean, was that part of your how he made a living, or did he just do it because he liked to farm? Um. Well, I think in his mind, it was part of how to make a living because that was how it all started for him. Mm -hmm. Um, So, yeah, I mean, it it was part of the package. It was just what he did. But it was one of those things that kept him busy, kept his mind occupied off of basketball, uh, you know, when he would do that. And he enjoyed the other people around him that came to work work with him and, and, and did all that kind of stuff. You're listening to It's Showtime with Ricky Lee on 101.5 Huntley Community Radio. You can always stream episodes at HuntleyRadio.com. Anyone who knows me knows that I live and breathe Chicago Bulls basketball. Jerry Sloan is regarded as one of the greatest Bulls players in history, and he was also an amazing coach for the Bulls and the Utah Jazz. Today, I'm talking with Holly Sloan about her father and what it was like for her growing up watching this amazing man operate in the NBA. But Holly, you kind of took a little different path. You uh, you did play a year of, of basketball in college, but you ended up uh, pursuing kind of a theatrical interest. Mm. Um, tell us a little bit about what your interest is, what you do for, for, for thrills and fun. Oh, I, I love theater. Um, it's just, it's something that from a little girl, uh, even before basketball and sports became a part of my life, uh, I loved, I, I loved watching, I don't just people entertain other people. And as being the youngest of three, I kind of had to, you know, make people know that you were there. And so that was sort of my first audience was just anyone that was around that could not see me because <laughs> they were all looking up. But um, when I when I first saw um, The Wizard of Oz and I saw Judy Garland singing Somewhere Over the Rainbow, uh, it kind of changed my life. And then my mother had me watch this movie called That's Entertainment. And I saw Gene Kelly doing Singing in the Rain and... Uh, uh, Donald O'Connor, I believe, doing Make Them Laugh. And that that was that really was just I like, oh, that's that's how you do it. You know, so I was always a little more outspoken probably than my brother and sister. I mean, as far as, you know, silly or, you know, theatrical. And as a gymnast, uh, you kind of had to learn how to do that, you know. So uh, I had to kind of take a, a little side you know, a little side path from that because uh, I did a little bit of community theater in Northbrook. uh, But when we moved to Southern Illinois, after my dad was fired from the Bulls, we didn't really have community theater in Southern Illinois. So, you know, I I stayed with the sports. I did, you know, track and field, which was probably my favorite. And I was most successful at sport, volleyball and basketball. 
basketball, but in high school and at a small high school, it was easy to kind of do both. Okay. So I was, you know, vice president of the Thespian Club. And I was, you know, also I was a varsity athlete for four years. So, you know, it, it, it was kind of funny because I never really fit in because all my all my athlete friends called me artsy fartsy uh-huh. and all my theater friends called me a dumb jock, you know, right. so, you know, <laughs> but it was it was always a lot of fun. And I and sometimes when you play sports, you throw a little bit of theatrics into it, too. Yeah. So, Fake you know, the I, injury, you know, sell yeah, the injury, at least kind of best of both worlds yeah. sometimes. <laughs> so you you did community theater when you lived in Northbrook when when you were younger, and then yeah. when you moved to Southern Illinois, they didn't have community theater, but you did high school theater. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Okay. And so, what did you gravitate to more to the, the dramatic roles, the comedic roles, the musical theater, all of it? We didn't have musical theater, sadly. Um, I, I but I think comedy for me was a natural fit. Um, that was always it was easier for me at that. At that point, I, I, I didn't have any formal training. Um, it, it was just basically me being up there, being me. You know? <laughs> and, yeah. And, and, you know, there was one time uh, the, the director pulled me out of class. He's like, will you read this for me? And it was basically this play about teen angst and what's going through your head. He's like, yeah, here. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know me, I don't know if that's a compliment or not, but comedy yeah, that was always something I loved doing. It was easy. But as w- when I got older, you know, in my thirties well, and, you know, started doing uh, theater up here when I was really able to get back into it, I found myself really, uh, I like the drama. I like the challenge of it. Um, I like the ability to try to make an audience feel something and, you know, but it's also hard to make them laugh. Yeah. So it's, you know, I just, I just love, I love the camaraderie of, theater that's why i do it uh it's like being on a team mm-hmm. and you know i take each cast member with me as i as i do each teammate i've ever had i could probably tell you the name of every person on every team i've ever played on um you know i enjoy that so much now was your father i mean he seems like a, a very stoic uh type of individual was was he supportive of your theatrical career did he even understand it i mean some some people with that kind of mindset don't don't translate no <laughs> yeah um in fact the, the first time you know he, he never understood that and, and he wasn't around for that he knew i enjoyed it he he didn't get it you know uh it's kind of funny though i found him in the drama club yearbook of his high school no way and I go, Dad, what is this? And I go, well, you're the drama club. He goes, yeah. Go, well, why were you, why, why? He goes, because the girls, were, all the girls were there and your mom was in it. <laughs> like, oh, okay, okay. All right, I get that. That was really, because I, you know, but I've, I've seen him do a couple commercials and he was pretty good at that. But um, I, I was a theater minor in college because my parents would not allow me to major in that. <laughs> I tried everything to let that, but that was, it just wasn't going to happen. But the first show that I did um, was called Shooting Stars. And it was a story about a girls basketball team Uh. in the Midwest. And when I saw that, I'm like, if something wasn't telling me, I need, I was living in Indianapolis at the time. And uh, so, of course, I basically, once again, stood there and was me. You know, (laughs) I knew how to stand. I knew how to sit like a basketball, you know, so... 
And that it was so much fun. But the cool thing about that was it was during the NBA lockout. Oh. Yeah. And so my parents came to visit me and it was during Thanksgiving. Opening opening night was at Thanksgiving. And my everyone was able to go. My brother, my sister, my mom and my dad. So I thought, all right, now if there's anything that my dad would be able to understand, it was this. So at least, you know, it was really funny. I mean, and it was a very strange Thanksgiving because the parents came in, they stayed with me. My dad was cleaning my house. He was cooking food. And my mom and I were like, who, who is this man? You know, and it was, it was really funny, but it was probably one of the best Thanksgivings I, I'd ever had. You know, my whole family was there. Um, I, I was really proud of that. So I knew if my dad was able to understand <laughs> any show I'd ever do. This was it. it. Been, yeah, it would have been this one. And I actually had to smoke on stage. And when it came time to light that cigarette, I heard my mother gasp and I heard my father laugh. <laughs> I did it, you know, so that was kind of funny. Um, and then the only other time he came to see me was in a up at PMNL Theater in Antioch. I played Commander Joe Galloway in A Few Good Men. Oh, okay. Yeah, and that was a role I, I've waited for for years. And I, I just would always wanted to do that. And I called my dad and I said, Dad, I, I got this part. I'm doing this part for A Few Good Men. And he was quiet for a minute and he goes, is that Jack? <laughs> I said, Dad, yeah, that's, that's Jack, Dad. He goes, well, I like Jack. Well, yeah, Jack used to sit by him and give him a hard time at Laker games. <laughs> so, you know, so there, that was really neat. That was that was really neat. And, you know, at that time, um, it was shortly thereafter that we learned of his diagnosis of Parkinson's and dementia. So, you know, that was the only other time, you know, he had ever seen me perform. But if there were any two shows that I knew he would have, you know, that I was glad that he could see it was, it was that one because I knew he liked the movie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So he, he really enjoyed that one. Now your father was inducted into the NBA hall of fame. Very mm -hmm. proud, very big honor. He chose Charles Barkley to induct him. That wasn't one of his players. Do you, is, is there some kind of connection there that, that the rest of us don't know? Yes. He was my mother's favorite player. Wow. <laughs> she loved Charles and she always had. And so when it came time, he wanted, and, and he, and he and Charles always got along always. And it's, it's a very strange friendship. You know, I, I, I don't, I don't cause he would always say Charles is always on, you mm -hmm. know, I mean, you know, what you see is what you get with him. Um, I've been around him a couple of times and he, you know, just everything comes with him. And so he, yeah, that's why he, he wanted Charles to bring him up there because my mother was such a fan and she just, she loved him. And so, yeah, that was really neat. Well, that is so special of your dad to do that for your mother. Yeah, and I mean, yeah. they had a magical relationship to begin with, as you alluded to, they met in high school. Is, mm -hmm. that, is that correct? Um, yes. So uh, was it kind of a storybook uh, uh, marriage? Very much so. Well, I mean, yeah, um, 
uh, my father, my, my mother was beautiful. She was about 5'10", this long, dark, you know, darkish red hair and these big blue eyes. And at that time, I think my dad was like maybe 5'7", and wouldn't say boo to a goose. And he asked her out when they were, I don't know, like freshmen or something like that. And she basically laughed in his face. Oh. <laughs> and, and uh, you know, because she dated older guys at the time. And, you know, because that wasn't cool. And then like the next year, he grew to be about six foot four, looked a lot like Elvis. <laughs> And so he tried again, and I think he, she reevaluated her priorities. <laughs> <laughs> and yes. So, you know, and, you know, they, they dated all through high school, you know, with the ups and downs as normal, you know, as, as normal. And um, when they went to, uh, when they graduated, my mother went to nurses training at Barnes Hospital in St. Louis, and my dad went to actually the University of Illinois. And um, he he didn't like it was too big for him. He hadn't been outside of Hamilton County, Illinois, except for a ball game his entire life. And it got to be it was just too much. And so he said he's going to quit. And uh, he said, well, I'm just going to come home and I'll work in the oil fields. You know, let's get married. And my mom said, no. You know, she says, you have other I have goals that I need to achieve first. And so do you. And we both need to figure that out. And at that time, that was when um, A. Rabbi Cutchin from the University of Evansville uh, came and uh, talked to my grandma. And I also believe you might have talked to my mom mm -hmm. and uh, said, this is something you need to do. And that's kind of, you know, so at that, that time, she finished her nurse's training. And then they were shortly married after that. They were married when my dad was in college. Okay. And and then he was drafted into the NBA straight out of college. Yes, yes. And, uh, by the Baltimore Bullets. Right, right. And then expansion draft went to yes. the Chicago Bulls, and then one year later, mm -hmm. the rest is history. Mm -hmm. You've been listening to It's Showtime with Ricky Lee on 101.5 Huntley Community Radio. You can always stream our shows at HuntleyRadio.com. Today. My guest has been Holly Sloan. I've had an amazing time talking about the NBA and Chicago Bulls great Jerry Sloan. Holly is an accomplished actress, so be sure to keep a lookout for uh, her upcoming performances. Holly, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you for spending this time with us. Thank you so much for having me, Ricky Lee. Go Bulls! <laughs>